2: Welcome to the 28th ever show of All Around Sports. we each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We will go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. It comes right through to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, it was another wild week in sports during one of the best sports months of the year, and as usual, I will discuss the highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that dominated this past week's news, as well as the my event of the week that I attended, the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals Classic at Disney World. Well, my highlight of the week is simply the fabulous first two games of the World Series, uh, both of which were riveting one-run cliffhangers that went down to the last pitch and featured uh, last night's two-run ninth-inning comeback by the Texas Rangers on a pair of sacrifice flies. Uh, it feels like old-time baseball a little bit, which I personally enjoy immensely. Uh, you know forget the absence of the big market teams and i'm based here in boston so i know a little a few things about big market teams and uh a couple to our south the and the yankees and the phillies uh to me you know the st louis cardinals are just an absolute marquee major league franchise uh, remind me a lot of the green bay packers in the nfl there's just that uh you know undying devotion of their fans it's just fascinating to see and one of the great baseball cities in America, so how can you go wrong having the first two games of the World Series in St. Louis? Uh, Weather notwithstanding, a little bit cold. And uh, as for the Texas Rangers, you know, in my mind, they seem to clearly have the best talent in all of baseball. And now they're in the Fall Classic for the second year in a row. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's a sense of urgency with them. You know, their time is now. Uh, the way things change in all the sports, baseball uh, included, is so rapid fire that when your moment is at, ha- is at hand, you got to do it. And if you get a second chance, you really have to take advantage of it. So, uh, you know, I see Nolan Ryan sitting there watching those games, and I keep thinking that's exactly what he's thinking. We have to do this now. And I think they made a gigantic leap towards doing that by uh, – Scoring those two runs and coming into the top of the ninth, they're down one nothing. Get a couple base runners on, two sack flies, and boom, two one lead and uh, and two one victory. So the series is off to a fast start, and uh, I think it should be appointment viewing as we head on to uh, Texas for games three and four. This week's low light, in my mind, is uh, coaches behaving badly, uh, particularly NFL coaches. Uh, you know, starting with Jim, Jim Harbaugh and Jim Schwartz's uh, shoving match after the uh, exhilarating 49ers victory over the Lions in Detroit on Sunday, you know, as two young up and coming coaches to be sure, uh, Harbaugh was clearly the instigator as he was during his days at Stanford uh, when he did similar things with Pete Carroll at USC. Um, and then we have Rox, Rex Ryan popping off on Norv Turner in uh, in Ringgate. And my favorite part of these stories is uh, that both Jim Schwartz and Norv Turner, intense, well certainly Schwartz is, uh, let's just say more on the low key side and certainly compared with Ryan and uh, Harbaugh, but Schwartz and Turner spoke up, they stood their ground. And they wouldn't be bullied by those two, either physically or verbally. And I thought that was terrific, and that was a silver lining. Another uh, top candidate, but so recent, it's tough to get a handle on, uh, is the UCLA-Arizona fight from last night's uh, game, which just was, uh, from what I saw this morning, and I think the jury's still out on a lot of it, uh, looked wild, to put it mildly. A melee of the highest standard, but... uh, Maybe we'll have more on that for next week's show, see how that all just gets dispersed. And my bizarre sports story of the week is uh, the continued legs of this Boston Red Sox debacle collapse story. It's as juicy as a story as we've had in recent memory. And they've uh, literally handed the media, uh, you know, a license to dig, shall we say. And uh, it's just been incredible. Um But, you know, now it's just time to go away, and I realize Theo Epstein hasn't even officially been named the GM of the Chicago Cubs, could come any time, including today. But, you know, there's only so much beer and chicken stories that we can absorb. It went from first where nobody would talk, and the silence was deafening, to now it seems like all of a sudden everyone's talking, putting in their two cents. But at this point in time, I uh, I feel like it's just simply... Time for everybody to keep quiet, and the Red Sox management needs to do, you know, the right things behind the scenes to get this fixed between uh, now and spring training, when it will resume again uh, with a thunderous roar, to to be sure. But uh, I think for now, you know, let's just put this one to bed. So now on to my event of the week, which was uh, covering yesterday's first round of the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals Classic at Disney World. It was a beautiful, beautiful autumn-like day. I uh, felt like I was waking up in, at home in New England, 56 degrees, yesterday in Orlando, and waking up uh, and then heading over to the Magic Kingdom. Uh, part, we parked in the Magic Kingdom, uh, all the media credentials and parking passes were for there, and uh and the tournament was held on two courses. It was done a pro-am format, and it was on the absolutely spectacular uh, palm and magnolia courses at Disney World. Again, in the shadow of the Magic Kingdom, you could literally—it was kind of cool—you could hear the uh, the train from, I guess it's Big Thunder Mountain, if I'm not mistaken. But one of the really cool things about it were the courses were both sitting in the back of what's called Shades of Green. It's a unique Disney property uh, resort that I had never heard of, and what's unique about it is it accommodates military personnel only as guests uh, and is quite the impressive facility, to say the least. Uh, that's where the media center was uh, is for the golf tournament, under the uh, helpful supervision of uh, Tony Morielli from Disney. And frankly, I was unaware of this property's connection, of this property in general, or its connection to the military uh, until I got there. And obviously, it was just of great interest to me given, uh, as my listeners know, my coverage of the intersection of military and sports. So this was yet another classic example of this. So as I said, it was a pro-am format with a veritable who's who from the world of sports, uh, you know, including... Uh, Steve Young, Derek Brooks, Johnny Damon, B.J. Upton, David Price, Fred McGriff, Jerome Bettis, Ray Allen, Alonzo Mourning, James Shields, Uh, just an exceptional uh, group of athletes, uh, current and former, as you could tell, many of them were current Tampa Bay Rays, and uh, about an hour and a half drive from Tampa, so very easy to do. And uh, yeah, I had a chance to talk with uh, Johnny Damon and B.J. Upton about the amazing, amazing September that the Tampa Bay Rays had. Uh, It was you know, everybody's talking about the greatest claps ever from the Red Sox, but the fact is, it was also one of the greatest comebacks ever by the Rays. And they're still glowing. Uh, just terrific. Uh, in chatting with them, they just said, you know, they think it helped establish, uh, you know, a potential fan base in the West Coast and perhaps even as far as Central Florida that. Uh, could provide the foundation for this becoming more and more of a marquee franchise going forward. Uh, Certainly, they're well run, and now it would be nice to see that fan base jump on board this spectacular team. Uh, As I've mentioned the past couple weeks, I was up in Boston uh, watching the Rays do this and uh, astounded by the number of Red Sox Nation fans that that actually were rooting for the Rays. So it was remarkable to see, and Johnny Damon looks great sporting a bit of a mohawk, which was pretty cool, and, uh, and B.J. Optin, again, very impressive. Uh, had an opportunity to talk with Doc Rivers, who is absolutely super friendly. I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, maybe it has something to do with just he doesn't have as much on his mind because of the NBA lockout. He literally was interacting with everybody, and I mean everybody. And couldn't have been more impressed. Steve Young, now ESPN, former 49er, great. Uh, And, of course, back in the day, Tampa Bay of the USFL, very popular still down there, extremely affable, signing uh, everything in sight for fans. Derek Brooks, former Tampa Bay Buck, again, sort of legend down there. Um, You know, he was... uh, Again, just literally an ambassador for both the game of golf, the game of football, and the West Florida, West Central Florida area. He, he was just terrific. Um, again, just watching these people, you know, interact, play their golf, all of it. You know, how they interact with both the fans as well as the uh, the people in their foursomes and whatnot is really really enjoyable to see. And uh, this was really quite a good field, as good as I've seen. And, uh, at the uh, you, you know, and maybe it's because they're at the happiest place on earth, which makes it that much easier to be happy. Uh, but, of course, there's also a great field for this tournament because it's going to be pivotal in deciding uh, this year's money winner. Uh, that means Webb Simpson, who I covered winning the Deutsche Bank Championship uh, half an hour from my house up here in Boston less than two months ago, was there as was Luke Donald. And they were, in fact, in the same foursome yesterday, which drew by far the largest gallery. So they're competing. Uh, There are others, but yet they're they're, uh, one and two for competing for this year's uh, uh, money award. And uh, for me, personally, it was a great highlight because uh, yesterday's leader out of the gate at six under, and basically the first golfer to finish up was james driscoll boston area native he is uh... someone whose career i have watched very very closely for the last number of years and uh... you know he had just a great round shot right out of the box and uh... and basically set the tone for the whole tournament he teed off at uh... seven fifty a.m. yesterday morning first one off on the course as i said and uh... It's interesting with him because he uh, he's ranked 125th and in the world, and basically to keep your uh, PGA Tour card intact to play all the tournaments next year, automatically uh, it's the cut line is 125. So for him, uh, he is right there, and you know, so a good tournament could go a long way towards, uh, ensuring he continues to remain on the PGA tour as an active player week, week in, week out, um, you know, without having to worry about things like Q school and anything else, uh, you know, as we go into next year. So all in all, a very, very impressive day. I feel fortunate to have, uh, you know, been able to cover the first day, uh, and it should be a great tournament. I have no doubts. And you know, again, has some significant meaning. And so, back in Boston now. And uh, with that background and all that said, I will now uh, take our break. As my former co-host, Lemont Williams, from outside the Huddle, he used to say, "Time to pay some bills." We'll take our break. And joining us on the other side, a little earlier than usual, will be Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post.
4: 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on
0: the Voice American Network and let's talk football. Do you love sports talk?
3: on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
1: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's one 346 9144 or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
2: Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, a call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests join, join us. And on the line, calling in a segment earlier than usual, is Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. And Barry, welcome. How are you today?
4: I'm doing well, John. How are you?
2: I'm doing terrific. Uh, as I mentioned at the top uh, in the opening segment, just back from uh, some time down in Florida for a conference and... Fortunately, uh, they happened to be having a golf tournament right down the street at Disney World, so I was able to cover that yesterday morning, the opening round. Uh, it was spectacular and, uh, and wonderful. And then, you know, mixed with that was, uh, you know, watching a little World Series baseball. So I thought the first two games were spectacular, again, as I mentioned right off the top. And would love to give your thoughts on uh, how the World Series has gotten underway so far.
4: Well, you know, I think the, um, you know, certainly the 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 Cardinals were so close to taking complete control of the series, and we were kind of wrestling things away, but it didn't work out that way last night. And uh, you know, personally, you know, I'm I'm not a huge fan, and I know it's been you know, and you know, who who am I to question Tony La Russa? I mean, he's been a he's he's done a great job as manager for many many years, and you know, they found a formula this year that's been working for them and they're gonna stick with it for sure. But you know, I think just from a watch just from a fan uh standpoint, watching all these pitching changes, you know, the, the left handed specialist in the in the eighth inning when there's a runner on base, uh, when there's you no know, less than two outs and pitching to one batter and bringing in another guy. I, I just think that just slows down the game so much and it just it affects I think it affects the rhythm of the game as a fan, and you know, and, and I under, I totally get why they do it, and I totally understand it, but it just, it, to me, it just doesn't, it doesn't help, uh, from a fan's point of view. But, you know, all that being said, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty dramatic, and, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Mott, who's been very, uh, effective, you know, down the stretch, and in then in the, uh, in the beginning of the playoffs, you know, it, it, it just didn't fall for him, and, you know, not all the balls were were, were were well hit, but you know sometimes you you know like uh, like you say hit him with, was it with Rogers Hornsby said hit him where they ain't, and that's what they and that's what uh, that's what Texas did. and Now we have a tie series going back to Arlington, so it would be real interesting to see uh, what Game Three 4, three uh, three four and five bring down there. You know I would expect that the you know the home crowd would would give uh, you know Texas a little bit of an edge at least for the next three, and then well you know it can go either way at this point. I mean obviously I think we see the teams are very evenly matched and, uh, you know, competitive. So, yeah, you know, I, I, think, I think a lot of people figured this would be a competitive series anyway right from the start, so I, I don't think anybody would be shocked to see this series go six or seven games, no matter who comes up on top.
2: Yeah, and, you know, right to your couple of your points, I was surprised to see Mott come out. I mean, he was getting hit, I agree, but they, you know, they weren't uh, pounding him, shall we say, and he has no. been their guy. And you know, I mean, it was so such a critical, critical situation, obviously in the ninth inning. And you know, Texas given a lot of credit, some aggressive base running, and you know, uh, by Elvis Andrus was the key, obviously. And uh, I don't know; it, it's always a little tricky for me. I'm, I'm, a, I, I think when I have what I consider to be my best pitcher out there. Despite Pedro, again, Yankee Stadium in 2003, I'm a guy, if I was the manager, who would probably keep him in maybe one pitch too long rather than one pitch too early, but that's certainly not Tony LaRusso's problem, but nonetheless, I was just a little surprised and I realized he was going, you know, lefty on lefty, I totally get that, but uh, I don't know, I, that, that, that's the guy that kind of got him there, so I, I found that intriguing, but that's certainly LaRusso's M.O., to say the least.
4: It is. But, I mean, I just like, like, I said, I just, I just don't. You know, I don't know. I, I think you can, you can kind of overmanage sometimes in these situations. It's just you know, again, you know, this, this is what we do. We, we're, you know, we, 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 we give our opinions on, 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 on what goes on in, in the games and, and everything else. So, you know, again, I mean, you know, it's been working for them. But, you know, I just kind of, especially with, uh, with mock situation. I mean, you know, he has been their guy, and, you know, you kind of wonder how this will affect. Affect him mentally, you know, going forward to for the rest of the series. Uh, you know, obviously, LaRusso is, is, uh, has that quick hook for all the pitchers. Uh, everybody in the bullpen, everybody's kind of on, on notice. So, you know, you, you just kind of wonder if that's going to kind of, you know, overdo things and, and, and catch up with them at some point. Maybe it will, maybe they, maybe it won't. But yeah, I, I just think there's, a, there's, there's a possibility there of things maybe just uh, you know, kind of unraveling a little bit. But we'll, we'll
2: see. We'll see how it works out. Well, one way it could burn him, Barry, is, you know, I think at the very end last night, you know, we're only talking the bottom of the ninth of a 2-1 game. I think they said there was only, for sure only one pitcher left, but I think actually they were saying there was maybe only one player left. I'm not sure. Uh, I was a little distracted and, frankly, a little tired from my flight. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if you know he uses up his whole team, so to speak, or certainly his pitching staff, and all of a sudden something unusual happens, he finds himself in extra innings, say unexpectedly, and he has nobody left
4: well, it almost happened last night, so you correct know, there, that's my point example that's I mean, my
2: point you look
4: you you look at the box score and you it, it look like an all star game or an exhibition game, so you know that that's you know that that's that's a big part of it too i mean it, you know I think it really can. Come back to bite you. I mean, I understand the situational part of it, and and then going by the book, going by the numbers, and all that. But you know, you you, you, only, you only you only got twenty five guys. You only have you know what ten guys and ten pitchers, and only six or seven you can really use, maybe even less. So you know, you, you get in a situation where you're you know pulling guys out after a third of an inning, or in some cases, you know you know zero innings. You know, it's, it's, it's the law of averages is going to catch up with you. I mean, if if Texas doesn't go ahead in that game, if they tie that game, those extra innings, the Cardinals are in big trouble. So, you know, again, you know, it, it, that, that, that's the way it's been working. And, you know, they roll the dice, and it's, it's been coming up for them. But, you know, I just think that sooner or later, it's going to it's gonna really hurt them. And it, it, it's probably going to come at a very crucial point And then, you know, we're going to be pointing a lot of fingers. So, you know, I think at some point, especially at this point in the season, you kind of have to have some faith. And, you know, a leap of faith maybe with some of these guys. And, you know, um, and that's just my opinion. And, you know, whether it's right or whether it's wrong, you know, in the long run, you know, we'll just have to see. But it wouldn't shock me if, if it gets into a situation where, you know, because we're not going to have a blowout. It's going to be a long series. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if we, went, we wind up in a situation where the bullpen's going to wind up short. So we'll see how it happens.
2: Well, Barry, yeah, and I don't. I think this is LaRusso managing this particular team because I don't always remember him. I mean, I think he always, you know, very involved manager, and you know, maybe even a quick hook, but I don't remember anything to this degree. Do you? No, I mean, this okay. is
4: this, 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 this is no, no, that not that's not what I was trying to say. I just think the point is, you know, they found he's found a formula that's working this season because the bullpen has right. been very competent. And, you know, since the bullpen has been so good, they feel like they can, you know, their starters a little early and, you know, maybe it's, you know, uh, done some of the guys that's, you know, saving your starters down the stretch. But, you know, where there's only a maximum of five games left, you know, you don't really have to be saving guys too much anymore. So, you know, you might want to, you know, let Carpenter air it out or let Garcia air it out a little bit, you know, if they're, if they're pitching well. And, you know, let's face it. I mean, you know, we're talking 2-1 game, you know, last night. So, you know, not like
2: uh not like the starting pitch hammer you know I agree it's you know just something that's uh evolving, and you know the uh, this is Tony La Russa managing the 2011 uh, the 2011 St. Louis Cardinals. It's just that simple as opposed to uh, you know to the way he's managed so many other championship. Teams in the past, and this is in no way an indictment on Tony La Russa. He is a, uh, you know, he is as good as it gets. You know, he's already got a Hall of Fame managing career, and if if he pulls it off with this team, given they were ten and a half back in late August, one of the great runs of recent memory to make the wild card, and now this postseason run is uh, nothing short of spectacular to put it mildly, so nobody here is questioning Tony La Russa, but uh, it is a little bit of a different type of a game to watch, especially at the end when he's uh, really, really juggling. So with that said, uh, we're going to take our break here, and uh, to join the show, you the call in number is one 9144 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And when we return, Barry will be sticking with us for a few uh, few more segments.
1: Your internet
3: flagship station for sports... America Sports. The revolution has begun with Jim and Trav.
0: Listen this week as Randall Eden, Shannon Young, Josh Fleming, and Joe Hosmer tell us why it's important to get our kids in the outdoors. Plus, Cat Daddy will have some catfishy tips, and Nick Rose has a new twist on wildlife management you'll want to hear. This is sponsored by Ram Trucks and RamTrucks.com.
3: Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson.
1: I'll see you on the trail. Do you think that all of the generic financial information you get every day is hard to navigate? You need to tune in to Duffy's Financial Playbook. Every weekend, Andre S. Duffy will help you filter out this information and turn it into wisdom that you can really use. Be informed about the financial decisions you're about to make instead of just blindly making decisions. Andre's connections in the business and professional sports world will help you so you don't need to worry about your financial success. Tune in to Duffy's Financial Playbook, Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports.
2: Voice America, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, and joining us on the line is our weekly call-in expert still sticking around, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. Uh, and as Barry and I were talking earlier, uh, we were talking a little baseball, and apparently there's a little controversy brewing where uh, Albert Pujols did not talk last night, and uh, so uh, details just coming out now, so uh, expect that to potentially be uh, a media firestorm going forward. Um, and sure to pick up steam as it goes along. But now I think it's time to talk a little football. And, Barry, are you with me?
4: I am. I'm here.
2: Terrific. Uh, Well, Barry, I'm going to start right off the top in your backyard in New York City. Uh, What is the feeling of the Rex Ryan, Norv Turner dust-up?
4: I think that, you know, the... uh you know, certainly the, the 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 jets have really really come back to come back down to down that to earth a little bit but uh you know certainly beating the the beating the dolphins uh you know certainly helped them there you know it was not a pretty win uh but it was just something that uh you know they they they, they, they needed obviously you know you know they were uh you know they were two and three and they were you know kind of kind of reeling uh after the patriot loss so you know I, you know, at the end, they have, they don't ask how, right? They ask how many. So right. it was just it was just important for them to you know kind of just get get back to what they do. And you know, even though it wasn't pretty, and you know the offense wasn't wasn't that terrific, but you know let's face it, the Dolphins are the Dolphins are terrible. You know, they're really bad. And you know you can you can make the case that you know maybe they they may have kind of stopped playing a little bit in the second half once they saw the game was out of reach. And yeah, you know, maybe. Maybe they're thinking about Andrew Luck too much down there. I don't know, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's that, that's a thing down there. It really is. But as far as the Jets are concerned, you know, it, it, I, I think a lot of the, the bravado and the, and the talk, you know, and we've talked, and this is something we've discussed on the show before. You know, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of, of of all the talking and all the all the uh, you know all the platitudes. You know, you don't you know, if, 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 if if games were won by talking, then you wouldn't even have to play the game. So you know. You got to show something on the field, and you know they they they've got to continue to just do their job, play well, play as well as they can, and maybe be a little more humble. And you know and that might be hard for 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 Rex and the guys to do, but uh, you know I, I think I think that would serve them better than than the opposite.
2: Yeah, well, you know it seems like uh, Rex Ryan is constantly involved with. Uh you know, stuff like this. I mean, that's who he is. Uh, Sexy Rexy and, you know, loudmouth and all that good stuff. What I liked, and I talked about this at the top of the show, and, uh, you know, I liked that Norv Turner, uh, you know, said his own piece on this and had a pretty good, uh, pretty good comeback, I thought. And it was just really, for me, pleasant to see as it was, again, with, uh, you know, Rex can be a bit of a verbal bully. And I I feel that, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh, uh can be a bit of a, a bully as well. And I had Jim Schwartz, who is very intense, but, you, you know, um, otherwise not someone you hear a lot from. You know, he spoke up, too. So I thought it was great that, you know, you had Harbaugh and Rex Ryan uh, throwing their weight around, shall we say. And then, uh-huh. but, you, but more importantly to me, you had Schwartz and uh, Norv Turner not taking it just fighting back and and i just thought that was terrific because uh you know it's great copy for the media obviously yeah yep. I'm, I'm guessing the nfl is squirming in a big way that you know they can't have a, coaches acting this way since they're they're the role the role models
4: yeah and I, you know getting back to a for a second i mean we didn't really discuss uh that incident uh last week but uh that was something that just got totally out of hand, and you know, you can, you can, you know, Schwartz actually looked bad because he was the one doing the running and chasing, but you know, Harbaugh was the one who who initiated it, um, and you know, and there was the incident earlier in the game where you know Schwartz was yelling at Harbaugh across the sidelines on a challenge. So you know, yeah, they're both to blame, but yeah, you know, there 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 has to be you know, really a, a little bit, they have to be a little bit more mindful of of these types of things, you know, because if it were. If it were players doing that, they would have been fined certainly. Uh, but for them not to find the coaches, I thought was uh, was a mistake. So you know they really need to be kind of a little bit more on on a little more on a better behavior, I think, moving forward.
2: I agree. I was surprised they didn't find them. I thought you know not only would they find them, they would make an example of them because again, they're held to a higher standard. Right. They just are, and uh, and clearly that's always been you know the NFL's uh approach so you know they they did come out with their reasoning and decided uh you know again not to find them but i just was uh astounded by that uh hey now looking back on this past weekend before we look ahead um what were your thoughts on that patriots cowboys game i thought that was as good as it gets start to finish
4: Yeah, it was a good game. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. You're always, you're always, we always get, it's always become a cliche, but you're always, you know, waiting for Romo to do something that, that will, that will hurt, hurt the team. And, you know, it happened early on this time. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, Patriots doing what they had to do and playing the way they had to play and, and winning the game. Yeah, it was well played. It was. And, uh, you know, Patriots are certainly, you know, where they, where everyone expects them to be. And, uh, you know, uh, when you have the, you know, one of the best quarterbacks ever, you know, uh, that, uh, has to direct a crucial drive. He's gonna get it done. So, you know, uh, we're talking about Tom Brady, of course. So, you know, and, and a game like that, that's where, you know, you really see the difference in the two, the two styles and the two methods and the two abilities of, of the quarterback. I, I think, I don't think Romo's a bad quarterback. I just think that he, you always, it always, it always comes down to him getting in a position where, you know, it's kind of on him to make a big play and yeah you know, doesn't he doesn't always handle the pressure very well so and, and 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 we do see that a lot from him and uh you know we never see that from Tom Brady it's like you know it's like okay I'll just you know when they make a mistake it's okay let me look at the pictures let me get on the headphones that's not going to happen again so you know it's uh it's certainly a uh you know a good security blanket for the patriots to be able to rely on uh, on someone with the ability of Tom Brady to, to tell you out. And, and, and you know, look what he's done for – look what he does for his receivers. I mean, there's a guy that just makes everybody around him better. Just does. And, you know, you know, Wes Welker is always, you know, a good receiver. You know, nobody ever said really anything bad about him. Guys something like an all-world year. So, you know, there's the a big reason for that, and I, I think it's number 12. I really do.
2: Yes, he's having a potential record-breaking year. I mean, it's already – setting up as one for the ages if it continues at this pace. Uh, Well, what I found interesting with Romo, and, and, you know, he played a good game. He played a fine game. It was, more than anything, a defensive struggle. But I thought Romo's comments earlier in the week were really, uh, for him, pretty bold where he just flat out said, you know, declared we will win a Super Bowl here, just a matter of time. And then he talked about what it was going to be like when they did that. And I don't know if it's, you know, some attempt at trying to, you know, prop up his team, prop up himself. But it ju- it just got me a little off guard. I mean, he, you know, say what you want about him. But yeah, I think, generally speaking, you know, he's fairly likable, more so than not, you know, especially if you keep it to personality as opposed to uh, uh, game-ending gaffes, shall we say. <laughs> but I, it just struck me as... Uh, Again, he, he really just sort of put himself out there. And then I thought, generally speaking, he went out and produced, but they did lose the game. He did not win the game. Um, it was more Brady won the game as, as opposed to Romo losing it. But the fixation with the Cowboys, it's omnipresent. It just doesn't go away. And I don't think it's ever going to go away. It's one of the me- most unique positions in sports, the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys.
4: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, but, and I think, you know, going back to what you said before, there are the reasons why Mermo would say something like that. I, I think, you know, of course, he wants to believe that they will win the Super Bowl, and, you know, it, it, you know, maybe it's it, for a combination of reasons. You know, maybe it's it all of the above, you know, to prop himself up to, you know, kind of, you know, give a boost to himself and the team and to management and just to show, hey, look, you know, we believe in what we're doing here. Um, you know, whether, it's, whether it, it, it actually happens, you know, again, that kind of goes back to what, what we were saying before about the whole uh, – all the Rex Ryan stuff, you know, you can you can talk all you want, but, you know, that goes for, for any team, any player, any sport for that matter, you know, you can talk all you want, you got to go out and produce, and that's the bottom line, and that's what you're going to be judged on, you're not going to be judged on on predictions, and, and what you say is going to happen, or what you think might happen, you have to go out and make it happen, and that's, and at the end of the day, that's what, and that's what we're all judged on, and no matter what field we're in, but certainly in in athletics, you know, and it, and you know, like we said it makes good copy and it, it you know, it makes it it makes it more interesting and gives us more to talk about, but you know, you really you really do need to get it done on the field. That's where that's where it counts.
2: Exactly. And uh you know, speaking of fixations like on the Dallas Cowboys quarterback uh one of the great fixations <laughs> in modern sports. History in my mind is is the fascination with Tim Tebow, and obviously, he's getting the start this weekend in Miami. Back to my back to Miami, by the way, and they better enjoy it because it might be the biggest crowd of the season. But uh, you know, I was down in Florida uh, as I referenced earlier for the past uh, week, and the story is absolutely gigantic. It's like the return of a conquering hero. Um, it's just. The effect this guy has on people is just incredible. I know people in Gator Nation, literally live in Gainesville, who, you know, who he's like their all-time hero. Period. End of story. It just ends right there. And I'm glad he's starting. I'm a believer. I'm not a, uh, Tebow hero worshiper, but I think he can be an effective NFL quarterback. I'm a guy, as any listener knows, who puts more on intangibles and leadership then maybe uh, you know how far you can throw it and Tebow has you know has that in spades maybe at an all-time level it's time to see can he take that leadership to the pros the NFL and turn the Denver Broncos into a winning program
4: I think yeah yeah I think the jury the jury is obviously still out and you know we, we have to see a bigger sample before we can really, you know, judge, uh, judge Tim Tebow, uh, accurately and fairly. But, you know, he certainly deserves a chance. Although I'm, i I happen to think that, uh, that Kyle Orton's a pretty, pretty good quarterback. So, you know, I don't, I don't know that, that I would have gone ahead and done that. But, you know, it's also going to be interesting to see what effect, uh, the trading of Brandon Lloyd will have on, on Tebow's development and the, and, you know, the, the Broncos future because, uh, you know, he was a guy who came on like gangbusters for them last year. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, you know, he was one of their, one of their top weapons a year ago. Uh, but, you know, certainly, you know, you have guys like Eric Decker who are, who are developing and, you know, giving them a chance, giving guys like that a chance to play. So we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, I think we need to see a better, more of a sample and more, and more games from T-Book before we can really say, All right, this guy's an NFL quarterback or this guy's not an NFL quarterback. I mean, I do think it's unfair. To label guys, you know, and, and obviously, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, in the media were labeling Tebow before, uh, just certainly before the draft, and certainly a lot more so after the Broncos selected him. And uh, now that he has a chance to play, you know, give, give the kid a chance. Let's see what he can do. And then, you know, once he gets a few more games under his belt, once he gets the season under his belt, then we can go back and say, okay, is it working, is it not working, and go from there.
2: I agree. Yes, I've always been a believer that, you know... Again, I put great stock in leadership qualities, you know, going back to watching Doug Flutie up here in college. And I've always just thought, you know, know, I like Cordell Stewart back in the day for the Steelers when he was having uh, his great run for a couple years there. And I guess I'm just a believer in, uh, you know, when these guys are doing something unique and different in the NFL, but they're winning, just give them their shot tailor an offense around their unique skills and you know you can't get any more different than you know the the examples i just gave which are flutie cordell stewart slash and tim tebow i mean they're all gigantically different styles of game yet you know they all have a certain way about them of winning games so uh you know give them a shot see what happens i mean at the end of the day barry the Denver Broncos are one and four. I like Coward, and I liked him when he was with the Bears. I have no problem with him whatsoever. I think he's a fine player in the NFL. But the fact is that they're one and four. The fans are, you know, in an uproar, you know, and everybody's just waiting to see. And I know it's John Fox didn't draft him, but, you know, he's doing he's, – John Fox is doing what had to be done as the head coach. He just had to – you know, everybody – wants their answer. It's almost like they need their answer. We've got to get this T- Tebow thing sort of settled once and for all, and, and then go from there, and certainly the Broncos have to, because they are just, they're at a crossroads, and they are, in fact, stagnant until they, you know, get some answers on what they got with Tebow, and then either keep him, trade him, you keep him, build an offense around them, and, you know, say he's our guy, and that's that, and give him a couple of years. Yeah, well this is the chance to do yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. This is the moment. They're at a crossroads. So with that said, Barry, we'll uh you know, we're going to close out our third segment here and uh and to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144 or you can email me at iir at net. And Barry's sticking around for us with us for our fourth and final segment, and we'll catch you on the other side.
3: Your internet flagship station for sports, voicemark is sports. Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
1: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
2: Voice America, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And, uh, Barry, we've covered some baseball, we've covered some football. And now to... uh, a huge topic suddenly that I think is at a crossroads, and that, of course, is the NBA lockout. Uh, it's uh, looking like it's gotten to a very, very bad place. I know you're in New York. I know you have a background in the NBA, so would love to get your thoughts on the current state of affairs.
4: Well, I think there was a I think there was a lot of optimism a couple of days ago. Uh, you know, when they brought in the the federal mediator, George Cohen was, you know, been mediating sports events before, uh, you know, and the NFL, Major League Baseball, and the NBA, as a matter of fact. And uh, the first meeting, which was on uh, Thursday, I'm sorry, Tuesday, which lasted 14 hours. So you think, well, 14 hours, they met for 14 hours, and they met again on Thursday for eight hours or whatever it was. You know, they hadn't gotten some stuff done, right? Well, meeting again yesterday, the meetings ended somewhat, uh, you know, on a on a sour note uh without an agreement uh without anything that really looks like we're close to an agreement and now suddenly we're kind of you know I, I think all whatever optimism and goodwill we saw on uh on tuesday you know with 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 the thought of well oh, gee it can't be bad news if they're meeting for 14 hours right they have to be talking about something settling something i think we're kind of again back to square one and it's like okay now what do we do um you know now it looks as, as grim as ever that you know that the NBA will not only cancel the uh, cancel games up until and including Christmas, which uh, Commissioner David Stern had very strongly intimated would happen if there were no agreement this week. Uh, I think that's the next thing we're going to see, uh, and it, it's not going to stop there. Uh, I think you have two sides that are really entrenched. You know, I think I don't think you have a whole lot of feeling of people willing to compromise, even though it probably should be at that point at this at this time. You know, with now with 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 games. You know, being lost with regular season games being lost. Yeah, yeah. I think you have to have that more, more of a a feeling of okay, let's compromise, let's get this done. You know, to the NFL's credit, you know, during their lockout, I don't think it ever got to the point where you think, oh God, we're going to miss the season, oh, we're going to miss regular season games. The the NFL never really got to that point. I think you would agree with that. But with the NBA, I think you got the sense right from the start, that this was going to be ugly, this was going to be very bitter, it was going to be nasty, and there's going to be some casualties as far as games being lost. And it's a real shame because, you know, you look at the big picture, in this economy, I think it's a really hard sell because, you know, we, loved, we all love our football. People in this country love football, and football is a way of life. You know, every Sunday during the fall, we watch football. This is what we do. The NBA it maybe is not quite in the same realm of uh, of conscious consciousness as football is. I don't think it is. Um, you know, certainly the playoffs are great, and certainly it's fun to watch. Certainly the guys are talented. They're great athletes. But I don't know that it has the hold on the American public that um, that uh, the NFL has. I mean, nothing does, right? So
2: Nothing does. You, I, you took the no, words right out of my mouth. Nothing does. No,
4: nothing does. So, you know, you almost have to put the NFL in kind of a different atmosphere, you know. But I think for the NBA, I, I think it could get to the point where you know what? They're going to miss a season, and you know what? It'll be like, like when the NHL lost a season a few years back. You know what? People will find other things to occupy themselves with. People will watch football because, you know, honestly, you know, people traditionally we don't pay much attention to the NBA and NHL after the Super Bowl anyway. So what will happen this year, you know, hockey will have the stage all themselves, college basketball will get a piece of it, and you know what? Life will go on. It will. Life will go on for all of us, but I just think it's sad that in this economy, and in, in, in the way things are in, in, in the country right now, and not only in the sports world, but you know, just overall, you know, to see these guys haggling the, over you know billions of dollars just leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And you know, the NFL had the sense to to end it, to settle it before it got to that point, And it certainly would have gotten to that point had it continued. But I think uh, I think both sides in this lockout uh, with the NBA are taking a huge, huge risk of of. Of having this dispute go into that territory, and once it does, once you got the public against you, no matter how which way it's going, because let's face it, people the, the the public doesn't care about the issues in any of these disputes. They just want the games, they want their teams, they want their sports, they want their games to be played, and they don't care what it takes to get there. But if you're going to take games away, if you're going to take their games, their entertainment, their love of the sport away from them, then they're going to revolt. So we'll, I I, I think it, it the longer it goes the worst it's going to get for the NBA. And that's unfortunate.
2: Very. And yesterday at the, uh, children's hospital network golf classic at Disney world that I was covering. It was the most interesting thing where doc rivers put it out and, uh, his foursome was walking off the green. A couple of, uh, fans are asking him to sign a few things. So he, uh, and they asked him about the lockout and he said, you know, you should ask, uh, you know, half jokingly, half not. You just, you should ask Ray Allen and, uh, who was also participating in yesterday's pro-am. And no sooner did he say that, uh, he's walking to the next hole and then walking across a bridge over a creek at Disney. And by what I thought was total coincidence, Ray Allen was walking to right by him to his next hole. And my impression is they can't speak to each other. And
4: uh, it was just a fascinating
2: moment, you know, uh, that they literally walked across a bridge right past each other, moments after Doc Rivers had been kind of joking about it, saying, you know, we can't really talk to each other. But, uh, you know, and then I don't think he knew Ray was about to be walking across the exact same bridge, little footbridge, by the way. And, you know, that was that. I mean, nothing. They just both kept on walking and that was that but i thought wow does that sort of uh is is that the picture of the nba lockout right there the the perfect visual
4: that certainly seems to be and you know and you know they're they are not allowed the the teams management organizations are not allowed any contact with the players so what you saw was probably you know is a very a very small microcosm of the whole thing and you know you, you, you and you got to see it right there i mean this is this is kind of what it's come to and it's it, it's sad i mean and you know we, you know, honestly, you know, we don't like talking about these types of things. The fans don't like hearing about it, and you know, there's no worse, there's no worse situation in sports than a labor situation. Because let's face it, as, as sports journalists, we don't want to write about it. We want to talk about the sport itself, and the fans don't want to read about it. They don't care. Again, they don't care about the, the about the BRI and about the hard cap or any of that, any of that stuff. They they just want the sport. They want their game back because. They feel that it's something being taken away from them. Because let's face it, the fans are the ones that always, always get hurt in the end because, you know, the, 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 you know and for the, for sports to say, well, we care about the fans. Well, we, 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 we know how sincere that is, right? Uh, if they cared so much about the fans, they wouldn't be charging 10 bucks for beer at the games and $30 to park and, you know, a $100 for a ticket or a thousand or, uh, 1500 or whatever the best seat of the house is. It's a business. And, you know, and once we all realize that it's a business, you know, it, it, it's a lot easier to comprehend, a lot easier to deal with. So, you know, it, again, the whole situation is very sad, and uh, we could very soon get to a point where there will not be an NBA this season. And, again, that would be, uh, that would be very sad.
2: It would be very sad. And, uh, Barry, hard to believe, but we've come to the end of uh, another show here. And, uh, you know, just to close out NBA lockout talk, the best term I ever heard about the NFL was best phrase ever, America's campfire. And it is uh, the NBA is not America's campfire, right. so e- more easily lost than that. But I just want to thank you for coming on. My appointment viewing pick of the weekend uh, is you know World Series with uh, maybe a little bit of Tebow and some LSU Auburn mixed in there as well. But Barry, great talking to you. Thank you again for appearing. And uh, it's always a pleasure, John. Thank you. All right, and with that, Voice America, I want to thank all you for listening today, and we'll look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.